Well, hey, welcome to Bright City. Uh, my name's Nick. I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, we are continuing on our sermon series called The Way of the Bright. And really, The Way of the Bright, we've talked about it, is really a sacred commitment that we as a church are making together. And you're like, man, I'm just stopping in on vacation or I'm just stopping in for college. They said it should take me four years. It might take me seven. I don't know which one yet. Still praying about that with my parents. I say seven, they say three. So hopefully we meet in the middle somewhere. Um, but the beautiful thing about us going through this uh, teaching called The Way of the Bright is I don't care where you live unless it's Mars, because then it would be weird because you can't live it out among people. But I don't care where you live. If you commit yourself to following and living out the way of the bright, it is essentially committing yourself to living out the way of Jesus and living out the way of the kingdom. And so that's essentially what we're talking about is we are taking a moment and just saying, man, what does it look like for us as a church, as a people, a part of God's kingdom going forward in God's plan to live in such a way where the way that we live and how we shine in our culture causes other people to turn to God and say, man, you are real. Like the most beautiful thing about the early church was there was a lot of amazing things, but one of the most beautiful things was how they lived caused people to say that there is a God. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, right now it's like you go to church and you're having a really bad, you know, weekend and you're like, man, it's just good to be here and, and you encounter God and that's awesome and that's great. We're so glad that you get to do that. Or if you, like Gabby was saying, you go to a worship night and like you're there and you encounter God, that's awesome. And those are like kind of the things that happen uh, where you just go someplace where you know that God might be there, or they might be talking about God, and you encounter God. But can you imagine coming in contact with someone in your life and seeing how they live, and it causing you to repent of how you are living your life and turn to follow Jesus? I mean, that is insane. Like, hey, so-and-so, I was watching you live your life, and I saw how generous you are and how much you gave of your finances. And I saw that when your neighbor came over and he needed a lot more to cut his grass, you're like, hey, here, just take it. I'll borrow it from you. And then you like how you handle your kids and you're like, you don't scream at them like I do. You're like joyfully like Snow White and you just like sing to them and whisper to them sweet nothings. And then uh, you treat your wife like gold and then, like all these things happening. And hey, I was watching you and I just saw how you lived, and I repented, confessed that I love Jesus, and now I'm following Jesus. I mean, that's crazy, but that is what we're talking about, is that people were committing to live in such a way that was counterculture. The people at that time were like, what in the world? And they would say, what in the world? And they would be like, no, 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 it is not of this world. It is of heaven. And so that's what we're talking about when it comes to the way of the bright. And this week, I would love to talk about how we use our time. Last week was words. This week is how do we use our time. Uh, recently, I had a major time freak out moment. It was about three years ago. Um, Jess and I do this thing for our kids where we uh, make a 10-year-old trip for them because they're leaving the double digits so, or they're stepping out of the single digits and stepping into the double digits, and that's like their birthright for 90-something years, right? Like you leave nine and you step into 
this is what I am, double digits, unless I hit 100, which my neighbor, God bless him, man, he's like 98, still driving, still doing his thing, but that might not be us. And so we got to celebrate stepping into the double digits because we might not see the triple digits. Um, and so anyway, I, we commit to taking them on a 10-year-old trip to celebrate that moment. And so kind of it's like one of those things where it's like this awkward moment where you're like, hey, where do you want to go? And then they say like Italy, and you're like, not before mom. Like, we're going there first. Like, we, we go there first. You don't go to Italy. We go to Italy before you go to Italy. But kind of like within reason, like, where do we go? And so kind of had this moment where he was like, hey, I, it's not about where I go. It's like what I do where I go. But in the midst of that, I had this freak out moment because I just realized that he was halfway to being in our house to leaving our house. So he was halfway there to where he was been in our house for nine years and he had nine years until he left. And so I freaked out. I was like, okay, I, that, I mean, like you, you've been doing your thing and I've been doing our thing and we've been meeting together in the middle when you need something like, hey, dad, feed me. And it's like, okay, sure, son. But like you have nine, like you have made it over halfway in my house and now you are halfway to being out of my house. And so I said, hold on, time out. We need to go to coffee because that's what I do. I ask him to coffee. And so he sits there and eats something and I sit there and drink coffee. And, and it, it works out. And I was like, hey, son, listen to me. You are halfway through your journey in our house. And so naturally I'm freaked out. And then I freak him out because he's probably got all the things like, where am I going to live? What am I going to do with my life? Um, does this mean I'm out for good? Like, what, what does this mean? And so I literally take the receipt from the coffee shop that we're going to. I still have the receipt. I kept it in my Bible because it is a reminder of how short time can be. And I drew a, I drew a graph. He's, he's a literal guy. I'm a literal guy. I drew, I, it wasn't a pie chart, which probably would have been better, but it was a graph. And I was like, here, uh, here you are. You're at the toppest point, And now we are going down. We are descending. And so in this moment, him and I were just equally freaked out with, number one, how short time can be and how intentional and how purposeful we need to be of our time. And so that's kind of where I want to sit this morning is like, man, how purposefully intentional are we of our time? When you think about how short life is, do you have a freak out moment? And I know the norm now, like if you read the news and you look at magazines, it's like, hey, everyone has anxiety, everyone's worried. And so when you come to church, it's the pastor's job to not heap more worry and anxiety on you. You're like, crap, I came here for good news. You just told me that life is short. But do you ever just, are you ever just filled with this moment or this awareness about how fast time can go? I remember sitting with him, coffee, talking, equally freaked out. He's nine. I don't know how old I was. I was old enough. And so we're talking, we're free, and he is 12 now. And so we've got five years left because time is short, and you and I need to be careful that we make the most of our time. And so what I would love to do is I would love to read the manifesto for this week. We've had a short little manifesto for for each week, and uh, last week we had one for words, and so when we read these, we are saying that we are uniting around this thought and this belief, and it says, I believe that God has placed me here on purpose, therefore I will be purposefully urgent 
about how I use my time. I believe that God has placed me here on purpose. Therefore, I will be purposefully urgent about how I use my time. Uh, The Bible talks a lot about time. Uh, One of the verses that I found this week is uh, Psalm 144, verses 3 and 4. This is basically life is short. Uh, Lord, what uh, what are human beings that you care for them? Mere mortals that you think of them. They are like a breath. Their days are like a fleeting shadow. And so it's just the idea that like, man, you breathe and that's life. Say, how was life? Oh, it was good. It was a breath. Um, You know, I just, I inhaled and then I exhaled and that was life and it was good and did some things in between. But like God is saying that, hey, life can be short. But even though life is short, God gives us the opportunities to make most of our life. Uh, Ephesians 5, um, go ahead and put it up, but this is a beautiful context because Paul has just told us in Ephesians 5, 8, he says, you are a light. So he says, you are children of the light, so be children of the light. And so when he says, you are light, you are children of the light, be children of the light, then he continues on and he says, therefore, as you shine... Be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but wise. And so he's saying, hey, there is wisdom when you start thinking about time. Like you have this way to walk into a room and say, you know what, I'm wise because I'm thinking about my time. You're like, hey, I'm I'm Nick, I'm wise because I am considering my time, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but but understand the will of the Lord is Uh, What I love about this is that it says making the most of your time because the days are evil. And when I've always read that, I've always just thought, oh, okay, like there's like evil out there and days are evil. But what I think happens is that if our heart does not find meaningful things to do with our time, then we will find evil things to do. I mean, that's a hard place to be. That if we are not purposeful and intentional with our time and making the most of your time here on earth, our hearts are so fickle sometimes and we will find evil because there is evil in a day to be done. And so life is short and God has given us the opportunity to make the most of our time. And for at least me and my life, I find that there is a few things that happen to my life when I don't make the most of my time. These are the things that I, when I purposely order my life, I am waging war on so that I can make the most of my days. The first thing that I'm waging war on is drift. I find that if I am not making the most of my time, then I start to drift. Um, Parents at the beach, like when we go to the beach, I am not worried about them going to London. Like, you know, like you're looking out and like London's over there. It's like we're in South Carolina and there's London. Or maybe it's like Italy. I don't know. Italy's on the mind this morning. Maybe we should go. Um, I look out and I'm like, oh, there, yeah, way out there. What I am worried about is the left and the right. Like, my kids are out there, and I'm watching them, because if I don't, we're on Sullivan's, and they're going to end up on Folly. And it's like, okay, well, I'll be there in 50 minutes. You just keep drifting, go through the harbor, take a right at the peninsula, and then just keep going. You'll see the lighthouse, and you'll get there. And I find if I am not intentional and purposeful with my time, I will drift. 
And I think sometimes if we're being honest, that, that is true. If we're not making the most of our time, that's when we experience the most drift and we start asking questions like, who am I? And like, why am I here? And then you answer those questions with like more Netflix, Is that, or that's just me. Like, who am I? Why am I here? I didn't finish that series last night. I got five more seasons. I can do it in an afternoon. Like, no, just me, okay. Like, there is drift that happens when we're not intentional with our time. If we are not intentional, then we will intentionally, unintentionally drift. Like, it is just true. When we are not intentional with our time, there is so much drift that can happen in our lives. Another thing that happens to me when I'm not intentional with my time is laziness. Oh, man, I can veg like nobody's business. Like, sometimes football's on, and I'm like, wow, when did that game get over? And for those keeping score, like, football can be like three and a half hours. It's like, oh, my gosh, that was three games, and it's Sunday now, and, well, Monday night football's tomorrow. Like, I just, I, my heart finds laziness when I am not intentional with my time. Uh, another thing that happens to me, so I'm drifting and I'm lazy, but then I am filled with doubtful lack of urgency. If I am not purposefully intentional, I don't approach life with what can I offer life, I just respond to life. Like, I'm just like, man, I'm just here, I'm just responding, I'm doing this one day, I'm doing this the other day, doesn't matter what God's asked me to do, I'm just here, and then I'm there, and then I'm here, and then I'm there. And sometimes what I find is that when I'm not filled with intentionality and purpose, then I don't have urgency, and if I don't have urgency, then I'm missing the things that God has asked me to do. And I think sometimes when I'm not being purposeful with my time and I am sitting and not stepping into the calling that it has for me, then I start to be fearful. I start to say, oh, man, you know, God's asking me to be purposeful with my time, but I just don't think I can do it. Like, he's asking me to do that thing, and I'm like, I just, I don't know. And it's almost like this analysis that leads to paralysis. And I think if we don't wake up each and every day and say, God, what do you have for me? How have you called me to live? We will live in such a way where life will pass us by and it'll happen to us rather than God's calling happening through us to the life that he's given us. And so when we are not intentionally purposeful with our time, we can drift, we can be lazy, and we can miss the urgent call that God has on our life. And so if you've been tracking with us with these uh, statements, one of the things that we've been doing is we've been given these statements of how we walk in obedience and how we walk in abundance. It's one of those things where it's like, man, this is who God's called us to be, but this is also who God's called you to be if you want to take it to far with him. Uh, one of the things that uh, I saw this week too was uh, Psalm 90 verse 12. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And so the beautiful thing about this in God's grace is it's not like you know those people who are planners. Like they plan everything. Like they, my wife has her uh, death date planned. Like she was like, I'm just going to go ahead and schedule it. You know, if God has different plans, that's great. But like if you ask her after church, she can tell you the exact day that she's asked God to take her. And then all my prayer was is, all right, hey, just take me the day after so I can make sure, or maybe a couple days after. Three months? I got to live. God, we'll talk about that. Might need some <laughs> counseling. I was picturing like putting you in the coffin 
pushing you in the ground, <laughs> digging a hole, and then like just jumping in? No? Okay, three months. We'll talk about it. Oh, Lord. But the beautiful thing about God is that he will teach us to number our days. And so I am not the best planner. I am not the best planner. Some of you sitting in this room, like you are leaving somewhere tomorrow and you don't even know it yet. You're like, I don't know, I got a trip and I'll get a deal in my inbox and I'll buy that ticket and you're in Scotland. And I'm like, they were just, I'll get on Instagram and they're like, I'm like, you were just at church and then I'll reach out like, oh, cool, nice later gram. And they're like, no, 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 no. This is the Insta now gram. I was at church yesterday. I'm in Scotland today. And you know, I don't know where I'll be tomorrow or the day after that. And so the beautiful thing about God is he is teaching us in our hearts to number and order our days. And so how do we walk in obedience when it comes to how God wants us to order our life? So one of the ways, when we talk about steps of obedience, there's a few things. One of the ways is spend your day with God. Spend your day with God. Now let me just say real quick, I am not telling you to go move to like a monastery where you just sit in silence all day, even though God might call you to do that for a day and you're like, I cannot sit in silence, that doesn't happen. You haven't met me, Nick, I come, I wake up talking. Like Canon and Glory, our kids, when they walk down the stairs, in the morning, they are like mid-sentence. I'm like, when did, who are you talking to? And they're like, I'm talking to you. I'm like, but you started that upstairs, and you're mid-sentence coming down this. Like, some people just wake up talking. When I originally wrote this, instead of saying, spend your day with God, I said, start your day with God. But the beautiful thing about God is he wants to start his day with you, but he also wants to continue his day with you. I mean, how amazing is that? And the only way I know, this is the only way I know, the only way I know what priorities God has for me is to make him a priority. If I do not make spending time with God and spending my day with God a priority, I will not know my priorities. And if I do not know my priorities, I will not know my purposes, and I will not know how he wants me to be intentional each and every day. The beautiful thing about God is he wants to spend your day with you. And if you are doubting that, the proof is the one who hung on a cross, and his name is Jesus, and he hung there so you could spend your day with God, and God's presence could spend his day with you. And just for the podcast, I use quotes because God is transcendent of time. I'll get an email that will be like, hey, I just noticed when you said like God would spend his day with you, like God's outside of time and space. And so you really don't need to say day, clearing it up. He doesn't operate in day, but we operate in day. He will spend his day, your day with you. The most beautiful thing about him creating an Adam and Eve in the garden was all the most amazing things that he put in there, but also he put himself in there walking with them. And that is the heart of the father for you. So what does that look like? It looks like early in the morning, getting up. And can I be 100% truthful? I avoided getting up early with God like it was the plague. Like you could have told me that if I got up at like 6 a.m., then I would catch like the flu. Like that's how avoiding I was. I, I avoided it so much that even when I tried to get up, I would feel sick. Like, I'd be like, man, I've got a headache. I think I'm, like, allergic to the morning or something. Like, and I just slowly asked God to change how I responded and acted in the morning because I knew that his word said, get up with him in the morning. So start your day off. David says this really well. Psalm uh, 5, verse 3. 
It says, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my crest before you and wait expectantly. So David was the one who fought bears and the one who fought all the things in the wilderness, but he also got up early with God. You cannot start your day right if you don't start it with him. I have tried. I avoided it. Like mid-30s, I'm like, I'm not getting up. I'm, I'm not doing it because i got to get up before the kids, and I'm just not. Lord, you can have any other part of my day, but you cannot have my mornings. Like coffee gets my first waking breath, and then the second cup of coffee gets my second waking breath. And then, God, you can have whatever it is after that. And the beautiful thing about God is he cannot wait to start your day with him. Uh, Jesus did this also. Mark uh, verse 1. It says, very early in the morning. Now, let me just be clear here. This was Jesus. He was perfect. He was the Savior of the world. Very early and early are two different things. You might need to start it early. You might not be able to get to very early. He was perfect. We are not. The perfect one got up very early. You and I, we can settle for early by God's grace. So very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Uh, Jesus had 12 disciples that were around him all the time, and introvert in the house. I mean, like, the, he knew that if he did not get up in, early in the morning, he did not experience any kind of solitude with the Father. We have four kids. If we do not get up before them, then we don't get any quiet. It is gone. It is not existent. God took the quiet through them, and we're trusting that one day he will give it back, and then we will want the loud, but right now we, we want the quiet, and that's how it works. Uh, Jesus got up early, not only do we, as we rise, but as we go. The most beautiful thing about relationships is that you designate a time, but then you also look forward to spending time with them throughout the week. Married to my wife, if I just said, hey, I'll see you at date night, and then we go date night, and then I'm like, all right, this is great. I'll see you next date night. Like, that's not how it works. Like, we interact and respond as the day goes. Just because we have a designated time to connect does not mean that connection only happens in that time. God wants to connect with us throughout the day. Um, and I know some of you might be thinking, like, hey, Nick, that's your job. Like, don't you just, like, sit back in your office and, like, pray all week? I wish I could, but also I don't know if I could, but that's not what I do. But at one point I worked a job and it was actually a desk job and I, I was working it. It's colonial life. I was in charge of filing electronic papers. They wouldn't let me have the real papers. It was the electronic papers. Real papers probably would have been a promotion, but I was at the electronic papers. And so all I did was file electronic papers all day. And I remember thinking like, man, I am going to make the most of this time and I'm just going to spend it with God. So then I started taking seminary classes. Then I started uh, listening to sermons. Man, I remember this one time where this guy I listened, he had this sermon where he took whale voices and star pulsatings and like all this thing, and he created it and he meshed it with how great is our God. This was way before Chance the Rapper came along the scene, you know, like he meshed it. And I just remember like sitting there, like weeping at the goodness of God in colonial life, looking over my shoulders, like, I'm not crying, you're crying, I'm not crying, I'm sitting here, I'm not teary, you're teary, but man, I just remember one of the most powerful present moments of God in my life was in that four by four cubicle. I mean, that is the access that we have. I don't care what you do, 
I don't care how you do it. The promise of the gospel is that he goes with you, but do you want to go with him? And so when we order our time, we get up, and as we go, and as we lie down, we consider who God is and how he's made us to be. You will not know your priorities if you do not make spending time with him a priority. There's ways to do that. There's tangible ways to do it. But this is not about work. This is about a relationship. And God wants to have a relationship with you. It's great that you have a date morning with God, but he wants to spend time with you throughout the whole day. And the proof is when he purchased Jesus on the cross. How amazing is that? When Jess and I were dating, uh, one of the things that was so interesting is that we knew each other for, a few, uh, for about a year and a half, two years before we started dating. And it was like casual interaction, like, hey, how are you? Like we would get on uh, instant messenger. Like way back in the day, you had to like sign in and be like, you don't, none of you, some of you have not heard that noise, um, but you need to hear it one day. It's God's noise. Um, and that was how you connected. And we would get on there and we would chat throughout the day because also you didn't have a cell phone. I mean, what was that? Golly. Um, and we'd talk and chat. But then when we started dating, man, we would see each other all the time. Like, I didn't know I could get up so early. I didn't know I could get somewhere someplace so quickly because I would go see her in between the places. And all I'm saying is if you are committing to make God your priority in your life, you will be astounded at how often and how much you think of him if you really wanted to. You can be a friend with God or you could jump in deep into the relationship that he has for you. And so for us, we have to, the first way to urgently and purposefully order our time is we have to spend time with God. Another way to get uh, purpose and intentionality in our life, we have to take inventory of how we use our time. Take inventory of how we use our time. So once we make God a priority, then he starts to show us his priorities for our lives. Then we get to step back and look at our lives and say, hey, God, do my priorities match your priorities? That, that's a hard place to be. Man, God, are the things that I am passionate about the same things that you are passionate about? And then where our passions, there our resources go, right? So like if we're passionate about something, like there goes our time. Like I love golf, but the way that I play, it takes like 12 hours and like 30 balls. And I'm like, I just, I don't, I don't know how to, do, how to do this. And some people get through like five times, but because they're passionate about golf, they make time for golf. And so when you look at your life, do your passions match up with your purpose? Does your purpose match up with your passions? Because where your time goes, there goes your heart. And one of the things that Jess is really good at, she had these two categories, and I thought it was amazing, is looking at our life in maintenance and mission. Maintenance and mission. So this is God filling you up and God sending you out. And I think too often, if I could be so honest, just with the church, we are so passionate about the fill up, but less passionate about the send out. But the beautiful of the gospel is, is that God fills you up so he can send you out. 
And so when you order your life, you have maintenance, but the maintenance is not for yourself, it's for the Savior. And so how God has ordered creation and how God has ordered your days and how God has ordered your time is he seeks to have you be rested in him so that you can be renewed in him, so you can go out and make connections in the world with people so they can see Christ in you. And then here's the most amazing thing in all of the land is that you get to join with God and create a beautiful humanity. I mean, that's insane. Like God created everything, he, he ordered everything, and then he invited you and I into joining with him and creating the most amazing, beautiful humanity in and through the gospel. I mean, that is the mission that we've been called to. And so when you have maintenance in your life, it's not maintenance so that you could fill your life up with self. It is maintenance so you can be sent out in the power of the Holy Spirit, full of the good news of the gospel. And so when we're taking inventory of our lives, the question we're asking is like, man, how am I doing walking in the kingdom purposes that God has given me? Uh, I just came across um, a study recently and it was the most interesting study ever is because they were saying that actually there is more anxiety when there is less kingdom responsibility. And so what happens is, is that we fill our lives with more and more and more of this world and less and less and less of the kingdom. Therefore, we become more and more anxious. You and I were not created to carry this world. We were created to carry the kingdom with us. And so we have to look at our lives and say, hey, God, am I carrying more of this world or am I carrying anything of the kingdom? And the beautiful thing about God is he reorders our hearts, he reorders our passions, he reorders our priorities, he reorders all those things so that you can carry the kingdom. I mean, this is the same Jesus as saying, hey, come to me, all who are weary, so that you may find rest. And the kingdom is one of those weird things. It's like this thing where Jesus says, come to me and get rest so that you may go and die. I mean, that's crazy. Like, who's signing up for that? Like, if I said, hey, welcome to Bright City. We're so glad you're here. There's coffee in the back. Oh, you guys look so great with all your fall colors. And then, um, you know, we've got family groups coming up, and that's awesome because you can connect with people. And then we've got a women's retreat. It's going to be beautiful. Hashtag Beach House Mansion. And oh, by the way, we would love for you to join Bright City where you come to find the most amazing rest in all the land so that you could give your life away for the one who gave his life for you. I mean, that is the invitation of the kingdom. But I find that we are not created to carry the things of this world. We are created to carry the things of this kingdom. And when we start carrying the things of the kingdom, the anxieties and the worries and all the anxiousness and the panic attacks, everything start to fall off because we are carrying the very thing that we were created to carry. And here's the crazy thing is, is I know that I know that I know that you have a very hard job because you have to sift out sometimes when the church says, do more, do more, try harder, do more, do more, come serve here. You were just here last night, but come serve again. You were just here, come serve, come serve, come serve, come serve. But I promise you, when you carry the things of the kingdom for the name of Jesus rather than the things of a church for the name of their name, then you will find so much rest. 
So I don't know if you were a part of something that burned you out in the past, but I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, when you carry the things in the way of the kingdom, you will have so much joy, you'll have so much peace, you will have so much abundance because you are not made to carry the things of this world. You are made to carry the ways of the kingdom. Like when you look at the life that Jesus has given you, he has extended ambassadorship and his power and his goodness and his mercy and his love and his joy. And so when you are carrying the kingdom, you are carrying the peace of the good news of God. And how can you not help but be peaceful about that when you are carrying God's peace to a broken and anxious world? And so in order to figure out how we're using our time, we have to step back and we say, God, am I carrying this world or am I carrying your kingdom? Like, am I carrying the things that you've called me to carry into the places that you've called me to be or am I carrying this world? Because I promise you, you will kill yourself trying to keep the things of the world. But when you come in contact with Jesus, you will want to die to self to take up his things he has for you. So you have to step back and you have to say, God, am I living a life in such a way where I am experiencing your rest, I'm experiencing your restoration so that I can go connect with your people and create something beautiful in the world because you have sent me to do that. And so we have to start our day and spend our day with him. And then we have to take inventory of your day, maintenance versus mission. The last thing is be present where you are presently. Be present where you are presently. I find in my own heart work becomes overwhelming because I wasn't present at work. Like you get on YouTube and, man, they start playing videos after videos. Like my kids will sit down and they'll jump on something and then I'll be like, hey guys, it's time to go. Dad, we've only been over 15 minutes. Please stop. I'm like, bro, you've been on here for three hours. It like washed over you. You stepped into another space-time continuum, and you were there, and we haven't been there, but you were there, and time was going here, but it stopped where you are. You better let NASA know because you just entered into something that was profound. And I think sometimes I let work pass me by without actually doing the work, or I let my days go by without actually connecting with my kids. Or I let the times go by where I'm actually not doing the things that I'm supposed to be doing, and I'm avoiding those things and doing the things that I shouldn't be doing. Can I get an amen? I'm like, oh, I've got to do one, two, and three. Ooh, but what about four, five, and six? That looks fun. God's like, no, 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 one, two, three. And I'm like, four, five, six. That's how you count. One, two, three, four, five, six. You throw a seven in there. I've read Genesis multiple times because that's where I start my Bible plan, and then I stop there. It's in the beginning, and that's where I stay and dwell on God's word in the beginning. And then I start over again in January. I know how to count. And I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if we are being present where we presently are if we would not worry and stress out so much? What if God has given you enough hours in the day, but we are spending those hours on something else? And I think God has given us this opportunity to be present where we are. Um, God has this most amazing thing where he can be omnipresent and you can't. So all my FOMO people, I am so sorry to tell you, you cannot be everywhere all the time, every day, and every waking second. Like, you just can't do it. It's not 
possible. And so when you are at work, you have to be at work. When you are at home, you have to be at home. When you are with friends, you cannot be with Instagram, and you have to be with your real-life friends. And I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, if you make the most of those moments, God will make the most of those moments in and through you. You have to be present where God presently has you. Uh, one of the most amazing things about Charleston is it is one of the most beautiful cities in all the land. Can I get an amen? You've been here, it's like, it's beauty everywhere, there's water everywhere, there's good food everywhere, there's all these things everywhere, and I've done this long enough, and what's so crazy is that people come here to live, but they're never here. It's like they live here, but they don't. And then, and then people come to live here, and then they leave here very quickly. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And man, there are some good and beautiful moments and coming and going and being and traveling and all that stuff. But I find too often sometimes people live in Charleston and they're already thinking about their next. Like people live somewhere and already thinking about their next. And when you read Jeremiah 29, he's like, hey, you're going to be here for 70 years. And here's what I would love for you to do. I would love for you to make the most use of your time because you're going to live for God in that land. That, that land does not know God, but you're going to live there. And sometimes life calls you to move. Sometimes you have to move on. We have so many people in the military, and they're doing their thing. But all I'm saying is the same thing that God's saying. is He's saying, hey, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, however you're doing, be present in the moment. Man, there was a time... Um, as a church where it wasn't, wasn't necessarily the glory days, but I was thankful for those days, but they, they weren't necessarily the glory days. And I think, it, I don't know if it was Easter, but it was a very uh, pivotal time as a church. And all of a sudden I look over and someone was watching a basketball game. It was Easter, yeah. So Jesus is risen and so is the NBA. Hallelujah, thank you. And I was like, oh wow. Number one, I wanted to say, hey, what's the score? And then number two, I was like, man, we are not made to multitask. I had another time where I went out to lunch with someone. And I was super excited about connecting with them. Like, I was just like, man, this is going to be so great. Can't wait to eat. Can't wait to hear their story. And we literally sat down and were in and out in 20 minutes. And I was like, hey, did, did something happen? Do you need to go back to work? And he was like, no, I, that's, we got, I got to go, right? This is it, right? We ate. And I think the more and more we struggle with being present where we are, the less and less we're going to be able to be present with people. And God has called us to be present with people, to sit down face to face with someone, and to know that that interaction and that moment has God's power and presence all up in it because you are there. And so wherever you are, whatever you're doing, presently at this moment, be present where you are. God is made to be everywhere at all times. You and I are not. And so when it comes to purposefully and intentionally ordering our lives, we have to be presently present. So those were steps of obedience. Spend your day with God. Take inventory of how you use your time with maintenance and mission and be present where you presently are. And here's a few things for abundance, a.k.a. extra credit for all you overachievers out there. You guys are so great. Number three is on the Enneagram, ready to take over the world. All right, steps of abundance. 
write your eulogy. What? That's weird. I'm 25. I don't need to write my eulogy. Uh, I did this one day. It was amazing. I was reading a book. It was called Living Forward. And he said, hey, here's the deal. I want you to sit down and I want you to picture your life and how it's going to be and how your funeral is going to be. What are they going to say at your funeral? Man, that is crazy. And you might be thinking, that's really cute, Nick. I'm into the Bible. And uh, I don't know if Jesus ever said that. But Jesus always lived with Jerusalem in mind. How crazy is that? Walk this earth knowing that it was always on the hill of Calvary where his focus was. Uh, Paul, he would say the craziest things because he knew he wasn't playing for this earth. He was playing for eternity. And so for you and I, I, my challenge for you is to say, hey, write your eulogy. What are they going to say when you die? Man, he could watch Netflix like nobody like, golly, like Netflix recruited him to be a professional Netflix person. Oh, man, he or she lived their life all by themselves. That was awesome, by self and awesome. Or, man, he or she had 33 jobs because they couldn't commit themselves to one place at one time. And so my challenge to you is to say, man, God, how do I want to be remembered when I leave? And it's not about your fame, it's about his fame. But how you are remembered is how they're going to remember God. I mean, that's crazy. Like how they remember your life is how they're going to remember Christ in you. So write a eulogy. Number two, craft his ideal week for your life. And so are you flying by the seat of your pants or are you actually intentionally, prayerfully saying, God, what do you want me to step into this week and how do you want me to do it? What time do you want me to go to bed? Because how, what time I go to bed is what time I get up. Can I get an amen? Like, you're like, oh, I'll just go to bed at one and I'll get up at six. It'll be great. Yeah, right. That alarm clock will win every time. My money's on the alarm clock. So craft his ideal week for your life. It's from him and it's for him. And so when you realize that you have been purchased on purpose for a purpose and you realize that time is a gift from him, how are you going to steward it? Uh, last thing for abundance, commit to faithful yeses and brave noes. That's hard. So you've got to be faithful in the things that you say yes to, and you've got to say no to the things that you know you're not supposed to say yes to. Uh, one of the commitments that I made for this job was that I have said yes to you to be here on the weekends. Hashtag I won't be here next weekend, but um, it's like the first time I've missed in like forever. But I knew when I took this job, everyone came into town and I had to say, you know what, I'm gonna, I have to be here. I have to be here. Hey, we're coming into town. We thought we would go to every brunch spot on Sunday. Let's go. Let's do it. I'll be at Bright City. But then, but then we're, I'll be at Bright City. And then people will come in for, we had just recently had six people staying at our house. And for all you keeping score, we have six and they had six and they stayed at our house and we gave them the schedule of our week. And we were like, hey, Tuesday, y'all go do what y'all want to do. We'll be at family group. You can come here, but we'll be at family group. Uh, but hey, let's go to, we'll be at family group. And man, it is, it, it is so hard and so good because it's hard to say yes and know in the moment, but it feels so great to be able to say yes to God. And I think some of you are sitting here and you have made 
really weird yeses and really weird noes to really weird things in your life, and God saying, hey, say yes to me and say no to the things that are not of me, and I promise you, you'll see my hand move. And so you have to, have to, have to be able to say, I'm going to say faithful yeses, and I'm going to say brave noes. There are things that you're going to come your way, and the enemy knows that, which is like, man, I think a lot of times people think God is the only person that can bring opportunity to your life, and they've never read the temptations of Jesus, where he's like, hey, I'll give you everything. Just do this. You can jump off this building, and you have everything. Just do this. God is not the only person that can bring opportunity in your life. The enemy wants to bring disguised opportunity so you take your eye off of Jesus. And so you have to say faithful yeses and brave noes. Um, I started off with that time with Elias, and when I was thinking back to that time, uh, one of the crazy things was I thought that I would have like an amazing peace of mind, like once we made a plan, like I'm feeling this angst and, you know, you've got, you know, nine years left in our house and um, you've got this going on and that going on and now you've got five years left in the house and so we've got to do X, Y, and Z and I made the plan and I was like, man, that's a perfect plan. But I still had this angst in my heart and what I found is I don't care how well you plan. Like you can make the perfect plan but unless your life is perfectly submitted to him, then your plan means nothing. And so I don't know where you are in life, and I don't know what God's got going on in your life and in your heart in this moment, but unless your time is perfectly and wholly submitted to him, holy as in all of it, then you can make the most beautiful, most perfect plan for your life. And if it does not come from him and belong to him, then you have planned in vain says a man takes the steps and plans his steps, but it is the Lord that determines that end destination. And so for you and I, we have to come to this place where we know that, man, God has put me here on earth purposely. Like, you just didn't get here by accident. Like, God purposely and wonderfully made you. And God has given you the purposeful urgency of the kingdom to see that life through. And so I think for you and I, it's time that we start living with urgency. I mean, that's like God, God has put us here to be urgent with our time. We rest hard, we get renewed hard, but we go hard after him. I mean, that is the beauty of the gospel. And here's the, the one thing I want to close with. This is so, so important, so important, so important, so important. This is not a sermon about doing more. Please hear this. This is not a sermon about doing more. This is a sermon about you being exactly who he's created you to be. I mean, that's crazy that he has created you on purpose to live on purpose where you are. Like he's created you to be intentional. He's created you to be a missionary for him. He's put you exactly where you are right now in this current season for a purpose. Like when you go to work tomorrow, it's not enough just to arrive there on purpose. Like you have purpose when you get there. I mean, that's amazing. When you go wherever you go tomorrow, like a purpose awaits you when you step there. And so this is not a call to do more. This is a call to make more of the time that he's given you. 
There are only so many hours in your life. There's only so many hours in a day. And he has given us the ability. He wants to teach us to number our days. He wants to teach us to be intentional with our time. And he wants to teach us to do those things because it is who you are. It's who you're created to be. You are created to be purposefully intentional with your life for his glory. Let me pray for us. Father, I... um, I'm just grateful that uh, you have put us here on this earth. There's uh, no other reason that we're here other than to serve you because we've been created by you. And Father, I just pray right now for anyone with an anxious heart. Uh, Maybe their day uh, just is not intertwined with you. Maybe they're carrying things of this world and not of your kingdom. Uh, Maybe they're just really struggling to be present where they are. Father, I just pray that the more and more they take up you and they take up the life that you have for them and they take up the calling that they have on your life, on their life, and the responsibilities that you have for them. Father, I pray the worry and the anxiety and the feeling of being overwhelmed will fall off in the name of Jesus. Father, may the chains of anxiety and worry fall off. God, may all the things that we're carrying that we're not supposed to be carrying, may they fall off. And God, I just start to, I just pray that you will start to put your things on our life. The things you want us to carry. The things you want us to be passionate about. The things you want us to live for. God, just start putting the things of the kingdom on our plate because that's what we're supposed to feast on. Uh, Father, we love you. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.